You wanted to know the reason why you're still alive and kicking? My guess is he laid the spell with his last conscious breath. Well, why? A friend in a strange time, a familiar face, a strong arm, a loyal heart, cannon fodder, all of the above. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And welcome, welcome, welcome to, um, well, well, first, welcome to the show. If it's your first time listening, do we have a lot to get into, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, you're like, you know what? I'll look at that. The Last Defender of Camelot. I like that segment of the Twilight Zone. I'm going to check this out. I don't know if that's the case, but anyway, welcome. Um, we made it, Terry. We made it. We're here at the end of the first season of the eighties iteration of the twilight zone. We never thought it would get here, but we're here. Yeah. It, it, it was a true marathon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. Like, where's the guy with the beer at the end of all of this? Right. You know? I, I like, I feel like those people that you see that they get to the merit, like the very end and they're like, they're like 200 feet away. And then their body's like, I'm not good now. And then they just kind of, like they're like it just fizzles out and they just collapse. That's <laughs> they me. just see the ribbon. They're like, I, that was good enough. <laughs> yeah, it's like my body don't work no good no more. That's how I feel about this season of the Twilight Zone. Uh, the 59th segment, because uh, we've been we've been watching. Okay, so like the reset here. Uh, welcome, welcome to the show, everybody. We this is an anthology based podcast. We've covered the original series of the Twilight Zone. We covered the now like not watchable on streaming Paramount plus version of the series, uh, the two seasons, two seasons there. And we've now went through segment by segment of the first season of the eighties iteration of the twilight zone. We cover other things too. We're going to get, we're going to take, I, I think an expected break after we do our wrap up next week, um, of other things before we get into season two. I think we deserve that. I think we deserve a big victory lap, but this has been a year and a half in the making. My God, it's been so much. Like I never thought we'd get here. I honestly just, I always felt like the horizon was always like, you know, that it kept moving, right? It's, it's been a thing. It is a t- testament to our true professional uh, view of what we wanted to do with this podcast. And uh, it's been a little taxing. I will it's- say that there, there, it's been some moments where it's like, Good Lord, this is what we have to talk about today. So, yeah, like, but- <laughs> yeah, like, was it James Cameron described aliens as 40 miles of bad road? I'm like, yeah, James Cameron, you've, have you seen the first season of the 80s iteration of the Twilight Zone? Um, but, but yeah, I also, the other quote, I was going to, I was going to find it specifically for this episode because I know we're going to get into the segment a little bit, but that bit, whatever, what was it? Um, and aliens, whenever they get out of that first big confrontation and Ripley gets in the, the troops transport and is driving it out. And breaks yeah. through everything, and and eventually, like you know, she's still freaking out. And then Hicks comes over and was like, you know, back down. You're only grinding metal now. 
that's what I wanted to tell you, Terry. I think we're done now. You're only grinding metal at this point. You know, yeah, <laughs> like the transition all... is almost blown. Yeah. Like, it's done. <laughs> it's just it's just squawks and squeaks, and we just you know, whew. anyway. So so yeah. Before we get into the last defender of Camelot, which is the last segment, uh, I was teasing this uh, before we start recording. I'm going to send you something here, uh, Terry. Something my wife bought me recently. Uh, that I'm going to send to you, and then uh, you, you'll see it, and I'm going to send it to you via Skype. I'm hoping that it sends. Um, there it goes. There we go. There it is. And you can take a look at it, and you can tell people what it is that you see, and I will explain where it came from. Okay, so I am seeing a, what is it, an 8x10, 8x11 picture that is drawn of... It's a watercolor. Rod Sterling. But it's, it's a print. It's a watercolor, though, so yeah. Yeah, so it's Rod Serling and and a backdrop of different uh, things from the original series that like it's it's a, a collage of sorts, I guess. It's yeah, very interesting, black and white. Yeah. Uh, so we in the bottom left corner we see uh, the the Devil Fortune Machine from um, Nick of Time, which you know clearly you bought me a shirt of that a couple couple uh, was it a year or so ago that I adore, and then the, we see a shadow behind Serling. That is of the Jack in the Box from It's a Good Life. And then in the top right corner, we see a window that shows um, the nurses and uh, um, uh, was it the attendants Doctor from, from Eye yeah. of Beholder. We see a large eyeball. We see a plant in the background that may or may not be from Terror 20,000 Feet. I don't know. But it's a cool it's a cool um, uh, print that she got me. It's from the, this Etsy store. It is uh, uh, Etsy.com slash uh, shop slash Ashley's that's a S H L E Y S art studio, all one word. And she does a lot of cool stuff. Everybody should go check it out. Um, and she, this was actually a large watercolor painting that she made that was turned into a print that my wife bought for me. So people should go to check that out. I'll make sure I'll put a, a link, uh, when we share the episode. Um, but I do appreciate that she got that for me. So I thought you'd appreciate that as well. And, uh, I might want to add here too, that, uh, there's definitely a cigarette in uh, Serling's hand. Here yes. Too. So yeah, right on brand. <laughs> no, yeah, no, for sure. Like you, you don't, uh, unfortunately uh, it's part and parcel, right? We don't know if it's an Oasis cigarette, but we could only assume, right? The, the nice smooth flavor of an Oasis cigarette. But yeah, anyway, so I wanted to make sure people go check out her artwork. I, um, from what my wife was telling me that uh, this person likes finding like, uh, like, uh, like tea kettles like like at thrift stores and then like adding like spider legs to them so if that's your thing go do that um i don't need um <laughs> i don't need things in my house that have spider legs that may or may not come towards me but you know your mileage may vary terry wants to make his house a spirit halloween store so he might be into that <laughs> well you know that might actually work <laughs> I, I we do have a tea kettle that is a black cat so all right you know. <laughs> have you thought about adding four additional legs to it i don't know like maybe <laughs> <laughs> no because it's already weird enough i don't we don't do normally keep it out so <laughs> have you thought about like making like your mind. like you know your george foreman grill into a spider have you thought about that i don't know anyway um, spiderize most things. No, don't do that. But if you I do would put boxing gloves on each one of them, because you know, the George Foreman, <laughs> George Foreman. Yeah. That's a George <laughs> Foreman girl. What's a, that's a George Foreman TV. What's that? That's a George Foreman recliner. Yeah, just, I like the idea is adding boxing gloves versus like spider legs. Like what? Do, what's yeah. that? That's a George Foreman Roomba. Like, don't let it get you in the corner. You know, anyway. Yeah. So 
All right. Anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to add a link uh, in the, the episode description for that because I, you know, my wife was very thoughtful and bought that for me, and I appreciate it. And it's a cool little picture, uh, you know. And also, you know, like the Twilight Zone never dies, right? So. I, I really appreciate that. So with that being said, we're in we're in the area of the Twilight Zone no one talks about. Um, and that, you know what, that speaks to our professionalism. You know, like everybody's like, oh, yeah, I've, you know, what? I've seen uh, Nick of Time. It's like, yeah, have you seen The Last Defender of Camelot? Probably not. Right? Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that is a that's a good way to look at it without giving away our, our hand too much. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. So let's uh, get into it. God. Yeah. So this is season one, episode 24, segment B, The Last Defender of Camelot. Who did what? We I do have I have a fair amount of notes about like the people involved. There's a big name involved here. We we'll get to it in a minute. Yeah, likewise. Um so so our director on this one is uh and, and forgive me if I'm mispronouncing this because I'm not good with names. Mm-hmm. So it's uh Ginot. Uh, Silzark. I think it's Juno Swarik. We talked about him previously. The other segment was Red Snow, which we did like okay, a great yeah. deal. Yeah. Yeah. So you're obviously a lot better at pronouncing names. So yeah, we just during uh, Red Snow, which was what, five segments ago or something? I don't know. It's like, been, it's, yeah. it's all been, you know, Terry, whatever days of vacation. No, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just please check out the the Red Snow episode because yeah, I think it's, we actually it's had a solid a, a, segment, quite a bit the, of interest, and it's actually yeah. directed pretty well for what it is. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, uh, next here we'll go to our writer credits, which we have two on this one. Um, so here we go again. Um, story: uh, the story is credited to uh, Roger uh, Zizalni. Um, you know what? I feel bad because Ali did the, the oh, 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 no, sorry. Roger Zalazini. Yeah. Okay. He's from Euclid, Ohio. So not that far away from where we're, we're talking now. Um, would go, uh, what was it? Uh, would play with form and style in his writing, meaning he would like mix genres, chapter structure. He was really about deconstructing things. Um, and then uh, Neil Gaiman said that he was an author who influenced him the most. Uh, with this influence, particularly seeing Gaiman's literary style and the topics he would write about, so I don't what I don't know what else you have about him. Yeah, I mean, pretty prolific for uh, uh, again for like the the magazines that would come out around that time, the science fiction ones mm-hmm. and and fantasy ones. Uh, so I, I'm not really familiar uh, with his work. Uh, so this is probably something that we should like maybe do a little deep dive one time and just like talk about some of these authors. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah. even Ian would want to come on and say, you know, something, but yeah, no. So also he was responsible for the story and or novel called damnation alley, which was made into a large budget film that um, was like this post-apocalyptic thing that if I recall opened against star Wars and no one talks about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar with this yeah. guy, um, you know, otherwise, but, yeah, I mean, it's still one of these uh, guys that we we've talked about at length in multiple episodes, where it's like they got their bread and butter from uh, you know doing these magazines and these different like asides. I mean, even look at Stephen King. Stephen King got really his start from like giving entries to like men's magazines. No, he yeah, he got a lot of like what was it a uh, hustler penthouse, you know. Um playboy uh, yeah uh you know uh <laughs> sure yeah all that right like he got a lot of short stories that were published and a lot of that stuff too so like you know get get your money where you can right so yeah like absolutely yeah so then our next credit here is uh, to the teleplay uh this might be somebody a little bit more familiar to people nowadays but uh george rr R. martin 
Mm -hmm. I had no idea that this dude had anything to do with the Twilight Zone universe. But yeah. here we go. We got one of five Twilight Zone. Episodes. Yeah, there's going to be another author that we're getting into, another writer next next season that I, I like. I'm teasing this that I'm excited to talk about. But yeah, so first of five segments, which you mentioned. I'm sorry, I'm going to take this over for a second. Uh, he began writing and selling monster stories for pennies to other neighborhood children, which I think is funny. Also, Stephen King did that as well. Like he would try to sell stories to his parents and like you know his mom and like everybody else. Uh, dramatic readings included. <laughs> I like that. He's <laughs> I want to believe he still had like the little, like the, the Dom DeLuise cap at that age still who was reading, doing dramatic readings. Um, he had, he had to stop once his customer's mothers complained about the, their child's nightmares. I think that's funny. Um, <laughs> he also wrote stories about a mythical kingdom populated by his pet turtles. The turtles died frequently in their toy castle. So he decided they were killing each other off of sinister plots. Um, I, you know, that still sounds like a better story than the last season of Game of Thrones. Anyway, so uh, he got established as a writer. Like, I want to kind of mention where we are with him coming into this because everybody knows what he did after, right? So um, he got established as a writer with a bunch of short stories in the 70s, but it wasn't enough to quit his day job. He His second novel, 183, flopped. He got an offer from Hollywood where producer Philip DeGuerre which we talked about last week. We're going to talk about more him next week. Uh, wanted to adapt the Armageddon, Armageddon rag, which was, I think, his second book into a film. The adaptation didn't happen, but they stayed in touch with Daguerre. He became the producer of The Twilight Zone. Martin was offered a job as a writer. Working for television paid a lot better than writing literature, so he decided to move to Hollywood, seek a new career. At first, he worked as a staff writer for the show and then as uh, an executive story consultant. After CBS uh, canceled the series, Martin was uh, migrated over to the already underway uh, show Max Hedrum, where he was writing stuff and created a character there. It got canceled in the second season. But then after that, he was moved on to uh, write for Beauty and the Beast, which I don't know if you're familiar with that series. It has Ron Perlman and Lindo Hamilton. It was kind of a big hit and then it's kind of just disappeared. Like it was, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've actually listened to discussions of uh, with Perlman about it and like, yeah. uh, you know how much he like, it was like a, a really big stepping stone for him into yeah. like a better career. Like he had played in stuff prior to that, but it was really his, his entry point to a lot of other jobs. Yeah. So Martin actually wrote 14 of those episodes. Cause I just remember it being like, it hit big and then it just kind of just like, it didn't do anything after. You know, I, I'm also going to guess that CBS probably canceled it because it was probably expensive as all get out to make. And it maybe wasn't pulling the numbers they wanted, you know, because he had to have Perlman. Like, I know he looked like the beast, but I, I'm going to make the joke. It's like, okay, so you just tussle his hair and then like drew like, like a little, like a little cat mustache on him. <laughs> but I know we know that's not the case. Right. But, um, <laughs> right. but yeah. And also I know that. Whenever um, Del Toro was trying to get the like together to convince, uh, was it um, was it uh, New Line or uh, Miramax to do Hellboy, they actually found uh, Perlman's original like uh, like face like life cast from Beauty and the Beast, and then did the Hellboy like like thing over it to show how well it would work, and so they actually used his life cast from Beauty and the Beast to get him cast as Hellboy. So I think that's pretty I cool. I mean, if you could only do one life cast, like for God's sake, hopefully they hold on to it in Hollywood somewhere. <laughs> because God, that looks like the most terrifying experience oh, to get a life cast done. Oh, 
Yeah. If yes. you don't, if you're claustrophobic in any sense of the the word. Yeah. Good hey, Lord. Let, let's cover <laughs> your face in plaster and then put like straws in your nose and mouth. But also, by the way, that plaster is going to get hotter before it doesn't. You yep. know, like because chemical reaction. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Did you want eyebrows? Not anymore. Like and, I don't know. And then also he had chemical burns uh, <sighs> through some of those uh, different makeup sessions because they didn't apply the right stuff at the right time because it was all trial and error, <laughs> kind of in the early productions of it. Yeah, it feels like and when he was in he was in quest for fire too. So let's not forget about that one too. Which uh, there was some heavy makeup in some of those scenes. It too. makes me feel like when it was it was it Buddy Epson was like originally supposed to be the Tin Man and the Wizard of Oz, and then he oh, had God. like a super allergic reaction to like the silver paint because I think it had like I don't know what there was something in it that was like had like lead or something. And it. it's like yeah, get out of there, like <laughs> you know, yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, they didn't do enough trial and error uh, back in the day. They were just like, well, let's slap this shit on you. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh. There's some, there were some, um, there were some good documentaries about Wizard of Oz. The one, the Cursed Films one, mm-hmm. that actually, there is some legitimate, uh, like, knowledge in that that, like, people should probably, like, <laughs> say what you want about, like, that series, but watch the Wizard of Oz one. You would understand some of the torture that some of these actors go through. And you're like, Good Lord, like, like it's terrifying. Yeah, I believe they actually took all the organs out of the straw man and had him act. I'm kidding. I know that's not the case, Mm -hmm. but it's like, we're going to give you a gun for no reason at one point in one scene. But no, but anyway, so yeah, um, that's the theater there. Uh, But George R.R. Martin, we all know him from Game of Thrones. We know him from... Just being like, generally like being, he, he likes being famous. <laughs> like, I, I can't, I can't dislike George R. R. Martin, right? Like he's made, he's making his bones. Um, you know, he's put, he's, he's, he is part of the pop culture lexicon. And I had no idea he was associated with the Twilight Zone, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm actually really interested in seeing what those other four segments have to, Please. Yeah. you know, kind of like introduced to the twilight zone universe so like yeah here's to here's you know uh, i'm cheersing to good luck on that one yeah uh, we'll see but, uh, yeah, so open. yeah. We'll, <laughs> but we'll get into our cast here because we have some really interesting notes about certain cast members here mm-hmm. but um so uh we first to lead us off here is richard keely um he was sir lancelot du uh he was in two episodes of playhouse 90 so that brings us full circle to the original like you know, things that Rod Sterling did. So, like, maybe people... Uh, it's been so many times that we've talked about Playhouse 90, but maybe some of our newer audience doesn't really know what the Playhouse 90 has to do with the Twilight Zone universe. That was a, a, a really early production for Rod Serling. And like, a, a lot of a lot of uh, different TV stations and companies had anthology storytelling, which yeah. like was like, like you the know, Chevrolet Playhouse. Yeah, like Desilu Playhouse, which the Desilu Playhouse is where Time Element came from, which was the pilot, the backdoor pilot for the Twilight Zone. There was a lot more of uh, dramatic heft, right? Because Playhouse 90, I think, had a Requiem for Heavyweight, which was yeah. Serling. Uh, but yeah, it was one of those things that like, it was a common idea like uh presentation and a draw at the time of like well people are tuning in let's give them a new story and then eventually serial storytelling started happening and that started creeping in and yeah that so playoffs 90 was very important but it was of a kind of its time and especially when it comes to the 
the translation from uh, from you know radio storytelling to to TV tel- storytelling. Mm-hmm. So it's like they were just kind of finding their their bearings as far as what they wanted to do with storytelling in television. Mm-hmm. This is the earlier stages of that. Um, but it, it, yeah, also uh, he participated in some night gallery stuff. Another connection to Rod Serling, and then um, the, the kind of one of the bigger notes, at least for something I have known, um, he was a, uh, the voice of the uh, the Jurassic Park uh, tour, I, tour like guy. the ride yeah. and the the tour guide. You know, like in the car. He, yeah, in the car. So he was the one that provided the narration for that. I have a couple other things here for you. So, well, one, he was the voice of the cosmos and Howard the Duck. You know, anyway, that's funny. Uh, in an episode of How Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Uh, however, uh, okay, one, I want to mention this theater side and the other, the other big, big Twilight Zone connection with him. Uh, Keeley created the role of Don Quixote in the original 65 Broadway musical Man La Mancha, meaning he was the first one to play Don Quixote in the musical. So, he was the one that everybody kind of like followed his lead for it and was the first to sing and record the song, the impossible dream that, you know, we may not know all of it, but we know the chorus, right. To dream the impossible dream. He was the first guy to do that like live. And then it got recorded. Uh, uh, Keely will later start in the television play patterns, which aired live on January 12th, 1955. This was the, that was the show Whatever it was, it, it it was written by Serling, and it got him launched to like like critical acclaim. Patterns is kind of where Serling it, it landed him in a position to make the Twilight Zone, and it was one of those things that when they like it was a live um, uh, presentation, and it was so successful. I think they ended up doing it again with a different cast. And even doing a radio version of it, if I recall, I might be wrong. Everybody can fact check me. I'm like, you know, I'm a hack and a fraud, but patterns was a big deal. And it was one of those big uh, feathers in the hat for Sterling that he was able to call a shot and make the twilight zone. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, All part of the history of this connection with uh, Mr. Keeley and Rod Serling. So yeah, it's kind of wonderful that we see that somebody who, uh, you know, somebody who started the series, you know, Rod Serling, uh, we have the end of this segment or this last segment, rather somebody who was so well connected. Yeah. So I said that DNA because they, at least they know where they're coming from. Right. But yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So next here, we'll talk about our female lead. I guess you would say it's, uh, Jenny, uh, uh, a a good, a gutter, a gooder, a gutter, a gooder, a gooder. Yeah. Probably a gooder. It's A U G T T E R. Um, I don't know. A gooder. I think it's probably yeah. right. Yeah. It's an interesting name. But um, so she plays Morgan LeFay. Uh, she was also in, uh, she's going to also appear in one more segment that we'll talk about in the future. But she's also known for being in Child's Play 2, an American werewolf in London. And that is not the only connection to uh, the director of that, of uh, John Landis. John Landis. Yeah. She was in a 2010 movie of Burke and Hare, which we've kind of talked about Burke and Hare, Burke and Hare in the past. Yeah, was the, the was new, a exhibit. new exhibit. Yeah, yeah, and th- there was a, a pair of serial killers that uh, would not only rob graves, but they would kill people and then take their bodies mm. to sell them off to hospitals and uh, you know, like facilities where people were learning how to examine bodies. So, yeah, I, I really want to see this because not only did John Landis direct it, 
but Simon Pegg is in it. So is um, my God here. I have to I have to go to the credits here. Tim Curry is in it, mm-hmm. and also Christopher Lee. I have to see this movie. All right, now. we'll mark it up, man. We and, like let's let's do our summer of uh, um, you know, um, and Andy Circus. Right. So, because you know, we do our um, oh, we call them not distractions, <laughs> like, uh, briefest guides, or no, uh, detours. Detours, my god, it's our show. What's going on? If we want to yeah. do a detour for Burke and Hare, we can do that. Please mark it up, yeah. um, dude. Yeah, um, I'm like, it's right. rated R, it's a comedy. Like, I mean, Simon Pegg and Andy Circus are in it's got to be a comedy, yeah. Like, I ju- I'm just like, right. I'm fascinated that like this thing existed. I know I've never heard of it, <laughs> yeah. So. so, with her, I also have that she uh relocated to the United States in 74 to pursue an Hollywood career and was in Logan's Run uh, and the Mitch Child's play too. She was in the Avengers and the Winter Soldier. So there we go. Yeah, so quite a career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm glad that we were able to talk about somebody with some uh, some real acclaim when it comes to genre. But um, yeah, so next here we'll talk about uh, John Cameron. Uh, he plays Tom. He was in an uh, episode of Freddy's Nightmares. He's also in a more recent series of, of Sandman. And uh, Yellow Jackets, which is pretty popular right now. Yeah. So here, he is known as the writer, director, and the star of the 2001 film Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I think we should mention because it's Pride Month, which is like, again, it's important. That's an important musical that I've not seen, but I know it's about like, you know, identity and sexuality. And I know I've seen the cover of this film. I've not seen it, but I know of it. Uh, He wrote the book for it, meaning he wrote the songbook for it. Also starred in the musical. He also portrayed. Yeah, he, so like Hedwig and the Angry Inch went on to become a movie, but he's responsible for a lot of that. He also was he played the role of Joe Exotic in the Peacock Limited series Joe versus Carol in 2022. Uh, sorry, aka that bitch Carol. That's not what it's called, but you know when you know, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, yeah, well there we go. So yeah, still uh, <laughs> still doing stuff. Up. I'm not as familiar as you are, obviously, but yeah, it's like, that's cool. Yeah. But uh, next here we have. Uh, Wait, you didn't you Boy. didn't watch a uh, Tiger King? You didn't see that when no. it came out? No, I didn't. No, it, uh, it you know what? No, you know what? Absolutely no interest in that. You're good. So. You're good. You're good. It's just that yeah. Joe Exotic and Carol Baskin were at odds. Yeah, let's put that way. Every time he talked about her, he always call her that bitch Carol or whatever. So, um, yeah, you know what? It's Pat. You you. It was of a time. You don't need to get into it. I promise you. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, a lot of animals got. Oh, no, that's that bad. Place. You're right. They're, that's bad. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, it's... like the, the glorification of certain people like that. It's like it's I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to put that down. Fair um, enough. But yeah. No, no, you're right. No, you're you're good to steer clear of it. I'm just saying like it was a thing and I was aware of it. And let's move on. So next year we're we'll talking about Norman Lloyd. Uh, he plays Merlin in this. Uh, he was also in Night Gallery, so there's another connection there. Uh, but uh, other episodes, or a, a ton of episodes of um, uh, Saint Elsewhere, like over a hundred episodes. So yeah, that's I've been mean, a feather in his cap. I've never seen it, but I know that uh, Denzel Washington was on it. So that's fun. so with with um, with Nathan Lloyd. He was in uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Nathan or Norman. Sorry, Norman Lloyd. Not sorry, Nathan Lloyd. Norman Lloyd. Norman Nathan Lloyd. This is full name, so that's why I messed that up. I apologize. So Norman Lloyd. Uh, Norman Nathan Nathan Lloyd as Merlin. Uh, he was in Hitchcock's film Saboteur in '42, Spellbound, which was a Hitchcock film as well. You mentioned Night Gallery. 
Um, so with him, uh, it was an American actor, producer, director, uh, and centurion. Cause he lived quite a long, he passed away in 2021, uh, forever. Right. When you look at him as Merlin here, you're like, Oh, you're not long for the world. No, he went on for quite a while after that. Uh, he, um, what was it? He worked in every major facet of the industry, including theater, radio, television, and film. With a career that started in 1923, Lloyd's final film was Trainwreck, the Amy Schumer movie. Um, oh that I liked it, whatever. Anyway, uh, which was released in 2015 after he turned 100. He played, uh, he played her, like, grandfather in that. And he had, a, he actually had, like, a couple lines. He was entertaining in that. Um, so passed away at 106. Because he drank some of the juice that we saw in this episode. I think that's what happened, right? Uh, but he, so here's the, here's the other fun thing about him. Began practicing his lifelong hobby of tennis at eight. Uh, this is his, um, his quote. Uh, With the application of time and had I devoted to it, I should have been a reigning world champion. He said in a 2000 interview, his opponents included Charlie Chaplin, Joseph Cotton, who is a Hitchcock mainstay. Uh, and Spencer Tracy, Lloyd continued to play twice a week until July 2015 when he had a fall. All right, so that's six years before he passed away. He played until 100, playing tennis. If I play tennis now, I will die. Let's be, let's I be. tried playing tennis one time against my wife, and she whooped my ass. Yeah. So I'm like, so just for the sake of to holding on to any bit of pride, I don't play her in anything that people can witness from <laughs> <laughs> from outside. It's just video games, and that's all. Yeah, that's, that's so, all. Also, when Orson Welles and uh, John Houseman left the Federal Theater Project to form their own uh, their own theater company, the Mer- Mercury Theater, uh, Lloyd was invited to become a charter member. So, dude is connected, right? So we got to give credit where credit's due. And also, and, uh, he- yes. I was just going to say that he was also in one of uh, my wife's favorite movies, uh, Dead Poet Society. Yes, so. that's yeah, that's in my notes. I thought you already mentioned. I apologize. I'm in my cups because I've been drinking that special uh, juice that will make me live to 106. Probably not. It, you, you may have mentioned it, and yes. I, I just yeah. like like everything that you, you, you. There was a lot of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let me let me say the next name here in the list. So to save you uh, some uh, frustration, it's Anthony Lapaglia. That's punk number one. Is that who you have next? Yeah. So okay. he was in a, uh, a a great film from the '90s. One of my favorites. Um, it's kind of like a kind of a weird coming of age film. If you, I, I'm not much for '90s films, but this is one of my favorite. Empire Records, love it. Um, he was also in 160 episodes of Without a Trace. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, but he was, uh, you know, obviously pretty popular. Uh, for the storyline there to keep them, um, keep them going for 160 episodes. But he was in a really interesting vampire film, uh, called innocent blood from that early. Oh, that's the one with the mafia stuff. I've not seen that. Right. Yeah. yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's a little goofy, but I would say that just because of like the, the how the story is constructed is definitely worth seeing. Okay. So I will also mention, uh, two things. One, um, well, three things, one amazing stories, Two, I've never seen Capitol Records or sorry, Empire Records. I've never seen Empire never Records. Never seen it. Oh, come on, man! You got, oh, got to see it. You why see Empire Records? I don't. Why? Why? Why would I need to see that now? Like I, I, 
I, I would say multiple lines from it, but you wouldn't understand. No, because so. it's like, what, what's the day? It's like, was it Rex? Ma- Rex Manning. Re- Rex Ryan day? What is it? Rex Ryan? No, Rex Manning. Re- Rex day. Ryan, you know, the coach of the Jets and the, the, the Browns, right? Rex Ryan, right? Like, no. it's Rex Ryan day, right? <laughs> Everybody loves it. Lex Manning did. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen High Fidelity. I don't even see Empire Records. Anyway, so uh, he was also Annabelle Creation. But the other, but I like that you're like, one of my favorite films in the 90s. And you, and, and I know why you didn't mention this because I don't think you've seen it because of your frustration with a certain actor. So I married an axe murderer. I, he is so much fun in this movie. He is the, the cop friend of Mike Myers' character. Oh, no, I do like, I do like that movie. Oh, Um, that movie's so much fun because he's supposed to be the one that every time he goes in to like confront his, like his boss who is like, like the nice guy. And he's like, can you just be more of a hard ass? (laughs) Like, I love love that movie. I forgot he was in that. (sighs) Yeah. uh, Again, to kind of like go into one of, I, I think my wife only has like 10 favorite films of all time. And it's one of them. She loves mixed nuts. And he's the cuckoo, like neighbor who dresses up as Santa and like runs around with a gun <laughs> uh, in that movie. So she I, loves that movie too. Like I just Juliet love that he, he tries uh, to commandeer the car. That's Charles Grodin is the one driving the car. And then also, sorry. And so I married an ax murder. And then when they're trying to get the plane, the little tiny plane, Stephen Wright's the guy flying the plane. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I love. So I married an ax murderer. He's so much fun on that. Like oh, the, it's the, a lo- that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I think, I, I I think his sweet spot is like very like uh, sarcastic humor or very like cynical humor films. I, he, I mean, even yeah. if you watch Innocent Blood, there is quite a bit of humor involved with yeah, that. Just, film. He, he's a good he's a good straight man, you know. Like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and I, yeah, so that that's good. And the last one I have here. Sorry, I have two more. Sorry, I apologize. Don Stark as Punk Number Two. He was Bob in that '70s show. Yeah, his biggest credit was Bob. And I mean, he was, he was in 200 episodes. He was all, he's also come back for that 90s show. Yeah, that revival. Yeah. He, yeah. So he was also in uh, evil speak and he was in star Trek first contact. Yeah. And he's also in Santa and muscles, which is the Hulk Hogan film, which I don't, we don't need to talk about. I've never seen. I'm good, but he voiced the rhino and some Spider-Man animated stuff. That's a lot of fun. Right. So yeah, that's pretty badass. actually. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the fact that he has some kind of connection with the Spider-Man universe. Yeah. I'm like, oh, but yeah, I, but I, Bob is an idiot. I love Bob as that character. Can we, can we have gotten him instead of, uh, What's his face? Paul Giamatti. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could we have put him in the rhino outfit? That would have made more sense. I don't have a problem with Paul Giamatti. I have a problem with them trying to squeeze too many too many things going on in that second movie. I'll just put it that way. And yeah, that's a thing. Right? I just yeah. I want to see Bob from that 70s show. <laughs> yes, yes, <I> would. <laughs> with the with, the bad, with, the, with the, the bad fro and like the you know, like I yes. Can you just, you know, like, I, yeah, just the rhino that just wants to party. That's what I want to see. Right. Like just, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Let's, I, let's just like superimpose him over every scene that Paul Giamatti is. A, <laughs> like, I, I don't have a problem with him either. Like, I think he's what, a good actor. He's been in. What if, what if we went to deep fake of, we take, <laughs> we take Don Stark and over superimpose him over Paul Giamatti over the HBO limited series, John Adams. <laughs> where it's just Bob. Every time we see John Adams, it's just, it's Don Stark. Come on. I, you know what? I'm okay with it. Let's, <laughs> let's, 
Let's do it, man. Oh, Hi. I also think Paul Giamatti would find that funny. I honestly think he would enjoy that. So, all right, last one I have here is George Marshall Ruge, R-U-G-E, as the Crimson Knight. A lot of stunts. So that's who I have, right? So yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah it's a lot, mostly stunts and stunt coordinator yeah. uh, for films like Bachelor Party, The Monster Squad, and the original Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yes. Yeah. All Very right. important. So, so Terry, I, 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 I um, said this a couple weeks ago of the last three segments, which of the three would most frustrate you in the most grace note, a damn Beaumont or this? Cause I, I feel like all three of them would grate you a certain way. Like they would just kind of grind you like kind of frustratingly. Where are you at with this? I, so, uh, I, I think a day in Beaumont, honestly, like I just, okay. I don't like I understand there was a bit of heart, but like even this story, I think there wasn't enough legs to like really. I, maybe this one's probably the most confusing, honestly. <laughs> so I'm gonna put it to you because we've already went 30 minutes. Like, sorry, not that we have to like timestamp this shit, but like, um, I'm not saying this is a bad story. I'm not saying this is a Twilight Zone story. Like, and I'm not. I'm not. The Twilight Zone could be many, many things. Um, this feels like. Um, like an amazing story story, but like super lowercase a, like the a is so lowercase that it's so far on the horizon that you can't see an a like, it's just so tiny. This doesn't feel totally. It doesn't feel like it fits with anything. No, it not at all. Like it doesn't like, it doesn't ring to like the, uh, uh, at the, at all, like to be a, a twilight zone story by any means to me. I, and it's like, I, I understand it's like Twilight Zone is kind of more of an idea of like if it's just weird, maybe we can make it shoehorn into this idea. I didn't feel that way at all. I didn't feel like this fit whatsoever. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's like even the idea, it's like, all right, well, we're taking I, we're dancing kind of around what the storyline so, is. But it's so like, sum, summarize it, because I really don't have like I have notes because I was trying to I wanted to meet you halfway with this, but I really don't have a whole lot to say about this other than cool. Great. It wasn't the worst, but it wasn't, it, it's a thing. So continue, please. Yeah. I, I, so basically our storyline begins with, uh, an elderly man who is out on the street and three, three thugs come along and they're trying to rob him, whatever, maybe just rough them up. And he whoops the shit out of two of them. And like, and then the last guy who's like kind of just there and hasn't been able to escape yet. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, don't hurt me. We were just supposed to bring you some chick. He's like, well, take me to her now or else I'm going to whoop your ass. So he gets taken to this lady who appears to be a gypsy of some sort. Like she has got a crystal ball. I don't, I know it's not the right terminology, no, but she's a fortune teller. Yeah. Fortune teller. Yeah. yeah. It's like, but you got all the themes going on. It's like, you, you, right, yeah, you get the tropes before. of that, but like, you're talking about like the Romani, like that's what you're like. I think that's, you know, that what we, the term gypsy is like, not like, like, it's not ter- but, like it's not the correct term. Anymore, no, I've, but, I've, yeah. over time we learn like shit. That's not like that's not a good thing to say. Which we yeah, you know, whatever it is, what it is, right? Like, don't, right. don't watch the movie thinner because that will really that's full of uh, <laughs> a lot of that. Anyway, lizard, um, <laughs> lizard, <yeah>. thinner. <laughs> you know. Anyway, um, yeah. No, she looks. She's a fortune teller. 
Um, yeah, but like the one, the one punk kid brings our older man there, and then we yeah. find out right that like, oh shit, it's Morgan Le Fay and he's Lancelot, and they have um, they have beef. You know, there's some drama yeah. there. There's kind of a bit of a pastor, like quite a <laughs> bit of a yes. past. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like 14th century past. Yes. Like. <laughs> yeah. But like, we end up having the thing where it's like, he's like, I don't trust you. And she's like, why should you like, or also like, what, what, what do you think's real? Like what's going on? And we basically find out after the, like after Camelot collapsed, after everything happened where Lancelot actually, you know, had his affair with, uh, was it, uh, Guinevere, right? Like the whole thing is like, everything fell apart. We know, we know the story of, uh, King Arthur and his court, and but also we 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 we're supposed to believe that Morgan Le Fay's the bad guy, and whatever. Anyway, uh, Lancelot was like a man without a nation, right? And, and, and all he knew was war, and he would go on to fight like like the Crusades, whatever else. Like he he was a soldier, and all he knew to be was a soldier, right? So we right. get that, but we also we also get him being older than he's like you know he's basically immortal. He's a Highlander is what it is. Um, and he's realized like the fertility of this. It's taken long enough to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then, and Morgan's like, oh shit, I know you forgot about me. Um, but I'm going to sit here and smoke a cigar. Cause I'm, um, I'm a liberated lady in the eighties, you know, like, um, you know, fast forward to now it should be vaping. We know that. Right. Anyway. So yeah. it's well, just in like, the crystal ball too, we see, uh, you know, like footage of, uh, you know, Merlin, uh, just dozing. Yes. Of, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Like what is he doing alive still? <laughs> and so she's like, Oh, he's going to wake. And, um, you know, maybe you don't trust him. He's like, oh, I don't know about all this. And then like, um, like, so we got, we got Lancelot and his, uh, his young punk near him, which I, I know this isn't true. Cause we've talked about him already, but it's like, Jamie Kennedy is really upset about what's going on. You know, like, um, he has questions. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Right. It's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a decent enough standing, honestly. <laughs> right. So uh, then, then they get whisked away. He's like, there's rules. There's rules, rules. right. Yeah. Rules. Right. You know, you got, was well, you got X or whatever his, uh, was whatever his, uh, uh, his, uh, prank show was. Right. Um, oh God, yeah, <laughs> let's not talk about that. It's already bad enough. We're mentioning some of his other characters right yeah. now. Like, stop, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't dislike. I don't dislike Jamie Kennedy. I think he's an okay guy, but it's like he had a lane, right? Let's be honest about all that. Yeah. Anyway, he um, really does. Yeah. So then they end up getting whisked away to a cave, right? And then Merlin's waking up, and he's like, "Oh, I'm withered or whatever." And he's like, "Give me, give me, you know, that four loco, whatever was going on." And so they give him the, some the original, the original four loco. <laughs> right it, it was three loco and then we like times moved on it's become four loco um and then he gets his strength back and then basically what we find out is that he was in slumber long enough that according to his plans unbeknownst to everything going on that like even though he's upset about the way the world is and how the hierarchy should be like if you slept long enough and everybody forgot about magic and the powers that be, then you can step in and take everything over. Am I reading? I think that's the way it's supposed to be, right? It's like basically like the, the, those people that were challenging me and my authority are all long dead and gone, like, 
like a thousand plus years, right? Or hundreds of years, right? At least. Like um, in his slumber that somehow he's gotten a little bit more powerful, not only because the, his uh, predecessors or whoever might. Well, he waited for the rest of Camelot but, to fall. And in his last breath, he gave Lancelot immortality, but didn't tell him. Right. Because right. he needed somebody to be his, his, uh, you know, guard dog. Right. Like in terms of like when he was able to come back and then essentially. Yeah. yeah. And then Morgan Le Fay, you know, was like, no, 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 that's bullshit. Like we, I know you're being an asshole, but I've, I'm around too. I'm smoking like, cigars. Like Mar- uh, Merlin has gone super Saiyan right now. So it's like, <laughs> yes. he's, he's like powered up just enough that he's about to drop the spirit bomb. I just, I like, he's like, he's like, some people call me Tim. I don't know. Anyway, so he <laughs> <laughs> doesn't look that dissimilar from Monty Python. Let's be honest. Anyway, so, but the whole thing is like, um, Lancelot figures out he's been played and he's like, oh, I'm not going to be like, he's like, he's like, I've lived in your, in your absence. And I figured out that like the world's much more different and more complex since you've left. And it's like, we don't really know his motivations other than like, I don't need to be your guard dog. Right, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment of like, I'm 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 too old for the shit. I'm three days from retirement. Don't don't make me the bannerman for your world conquest. Merlin doesn't like that. And, well, and Merlin has absolutely no understanding of how power structure is now. Yeah. And it's not just like a kingdom that you would be taking over. It, there are many civilizations that are run by the world's many gotten, different governments. The world's gotten way bigger and a lot more connected, right? And a lot more complicated. Yes. So that's the thing that, you know, like Lancelot is trying to have Merlin kind of get somewhat of a grasp on, but it's obviously a bridge too far yeah. because dude's old school, <laughs> very old school. <laughs> oh, yeah, the oldest school, yes. So, like, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't take those coupons here, man. So. <laughs> oh, oh, I have some vouchers from Hollywood Video. You're like, sorry, Merlin, you have no idea what's going on now. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> I got these Pepsi points. With these, work? I got these Pepsi. I got all these Marlboro Miles. Can I get a cool wallet? No, <laughs> no. Okay, great. Anyway. So, so Merlin's like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, like, I'm going to take back like my power or whatever. And then Lancelot's like, nah, we're going to, we're going to fight it out. And Morgana, like uh, Morgana, sorry, Morgan Le Fay shows up. It's this whole thing. <laughs> That's a different story. Morgana, the kissing bandit <laughs> shows up. It's really crazy. Right. Um, yeah. Now, so they're at like the real Stonehenge or whatever. And it's like this misty, whatever, whatever, whatever. Ridiculous. Yeah. Dude, this was the one, like... <laughs> <laughs> this scene here, I was like, get the F out of here. Like, <laughs> stop it right now yeah. with this Stonehenge crap. Like, stop. What is this? Halloween three <laughs> bullshit. Anyway. So yeah. So then, uh, the, the Merlin like summons his, his champion, which is the hollow Knight. which, you know, cool idea. Empty suit armor. Cool. Like cool, 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 cool. Like I, I don't mind animated suits. Armor is always cool. I'll, I'll, I'll give small points, small kudos, right? Cause suits of armors are creepy. Uh, we both live in Cleveland. Uh, there is, you know, the was natural history museum. You go into the armory room. If that shit came to life, we would be dead. Right. Let's be honest. I think, I think, we were there. I think it's the art museum. Sorry. Yeah. It's, yeah. 
but yeah, I mean that that area is amazing too. If anybody is ever going to come to Cleveland, the uh, the or go to another museum, go, go to a museum that has armor. It's like it's it's crazy. Like that's weird. The, and, but the war, the, yeah. uh, the armory room, the the war room, I call it because oh. there's so much weapons and yes. probably so many people have been slayed by those things of like yeah. this, this room rules yeah it <laughs> does so and it's metal, like literally it's like it, it's of its time but it's like if it start animating i like you know that, like it makes me think of like that bit in the frighteners where they're at the museum <laughs> like yes <laughs> the mummy comes down oh yes. <laughs> yeah everything else right so yeah so anyway <laughs> so we have lancelot who uh, suddenly, because um, he he um, he pulled a trick on Merlin and was like, "Oh, I know you had your super." I, like, I forgot my wallet in the other room. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Oh, oh, oh scarf. my heart I'm meds. Sorry, I have to go and my scarf. Yeah, I have to go get my uh, ARP coupon book or whatever." <laughs> and he goes like, in, like, "Oh yeah, yeah, like even even Merlin's gonna know what the hell a scarf is right now. Like, come on." Like, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, like, what's what's an ascot? What what is this devilry anyway? So yeah. So so yeah. Lancelot goes in, which I, man, you know. Anyway, like, uh, as much as we should respect this gentleman, but he's like, he is like Kirkland Christopher Lee, right? Let's be honest. Uh, so, um, Kirkland brand, like, oh, I want Christopher Lee. We have Christopher Lee at home. We have this he's gentleman. Like, oh, yeah, this isn't Solomon <laughs> here. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, this is. Sarvon. Yes. Anyway. Oh, sh- 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 we have Christopher Lee at home. No, we don't. Anyway. So he comes <laughs> back out. Right. And he's like, Oh, I drank, I drank the, 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 the three and a half loco. You didn't get the rest of it. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I got the blast swig. I got the last <laughs> swigs. It was great. And like, Oh shit. Oh shit. I did a, I did a shot at Goldschlager. Just get me up. Right. Anyway, anyway, so, so the, they had this big fight with him and the hollow Knight. I like that. Uh, was it Richard Keeley, Richard Keeley, Keeley. What's his name? Um, I want to say Richard. Is that correct? Mr. Yeah, Keeley. Well, yeah. he's Lancelot. No, but Richard Keeley, Lancelot Dulac, right? Um, do lacking being Christopher Lee. Uh, and they have a big fight. And I like that it's like, uh, you know, him versus the Hollow Knight. And then he is like, oh, oh, my beard's black now. And I can, I can do the thing. And he ends up being the, the, the Hollow Knight. And like, but Morgana is the one that interferes to make sure because Merlin's going to cheat because he's a bitch. And both of those people die. So. Uh, you know, Morgana, Mor- Morgana, Morgana, the kissing bandit, sorry, Morgan Le Fay and Merlin, the kissing bandit also die. And that's it. Right. So then at the end, uh, we got Lancelot and his squire, Jamie Kennedy, um, and they're leaving and they go and it's, it's a very, we've talked about the map paintings of the season. This is my God. Like, this is not great. And, and like, <laughs> To the left is Camelot, and to the right is not a lot. I don't know. Like I don't know how to describe not it. A lot, yeah. Not a lot. And then, and then uh, Lancelot's like, "I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the castle where I'm sure. I'm sure I'm gonna get like fed like wine and palm fronds, and I'm a hottie with body now. Look at look at me. You know, I got the quickening." And then the the punk's like, "I don't know what I want to do. Oi." Two, two of my friends just got murdered by you. They're probably going to put it on me. I guess I'll go to Camelot. Good yeah. choice. Like, do they have the new Damned album out here? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, probably not. <laughs> 
What about the cramps? No, they don't have <laughs> yeah. that either. Yeah. No. So anyway, so then, so, um, so Jamie Kitty, I'm sorry, AKA Tom joins Lancelot as they walk on this path to like the, 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 on the golden, you know, like the, you know, the gold brick road to Oz and it's a freeze as, frame. As they join elbows and they start skipping. It's a goddamn freeze frame and I'm so frustrated by it, but yeah, that's it. Anyway, that's your episode. Um, Sure. 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 So yeah. Jokes aside, um, hands, uh, show of pants. Did anybody find that interesting? No one. Oh, oh okay, cool. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I'll put it this way. I thought it was okay, but it doesn't feel twilight zone to me. It, it doesn't, but that's like, I think that's what brought us to the party here. You know, brought us to the show. Twilight zone. Yeah. Great. George, if anybody's a big fan of George R.R. R. Martin and you kind of want to see what he had done kind of earlier in his career, here you go. This is this is it. There's something there's a flavor here, which obviously he wanted to take that and then do something quite a bit better. <laughs> it's like, you know, like really make and hone something better than this. I, I think they also expected everybody to know the real mythos of what. Well, is, I mean, like, I think the Arthurian legend and all that I, stuff. I think the Arthurian I don't, legend I don't know mythos. The story. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, but it's like, okay, fine, 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 fine. You, if you want to like explore these like uh, fantasies and legends, but like based in reality, quote unquote, meaning because Lancelot's still alive in the real world and Morgan Le Fay as well. Okay, that's fine. Like, I'm okay with that. But it's like, um, give me, I don't know, like, I don't know how to describe it. Give me something that's a little bit more like they're, like, maybe, like, maybe the magic's gone and they're still stuck. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's more interesting to me, right? Versus Merlin waking and being like, blah, 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 whatever. But I also understand the Twilight Zone as an idea, as a genre, which is like, you know, it's. It is not straight up sci-fi horror, which we we've you know, which I'm thankful for. Don't get me wrong. So it can be anything. I just feel like this is more in the range of like an amazing story. Story meaning like, oh shit, um, members of like the Arthurian legend still alive. Let's see what's going on. Like you know what I mean. Like in terms of like that type of like when you have the couching of, um the series called amazing stories versus the twilight zone where I'm not saying that every single segment has to be a hammer and breaks you in half, but I feel like there needs to be like some type of like morality lesson here, which I mean, in terms of this, like Merlin, like overplaying his hand and being like, Oh shit. I, you know, I slept and kept hitting the snooze button for like a thousand years. Like, you know, which by the way, uh, between you, me, and the trees, if I let my wife hit the snooze button, she would sleep as long as Merlin. Like, let's be honest here. Let's be honest. But, like, um, <laughs> you know, it's like it doesn't quite resonate in terms of, for me, of what the series could be. And it feels weird to me as much as I despised a day in Beaumont, at least, at least it felt like it was like, um, to use the sports analogy, it was at least in the park. <laughs> you know, I feel like this was like a foul tip that went into like, I don't know, 
um, the parking lot and nobody picked it up. I'm using my baseball analogy. Note that you were talking about earlier. I think that with it being a little bit flawed in how the story was presented, it still felt complete. Yes. Uh, credit, credit where credits do. You're right. It's a full story. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. A day in Beaumont felt more of like they wanted to harken back to certain things. Like, especially when they were saying, well, the, this guy's in the bar and this guy's in the bar and they had HG Wells names uh, associated yeah. with them. Even, uh, Balmont. All right, cool. That's a that's a harken back to somebody else as well. I just felt like it was it was stealing from other storylines. It felt very similar to other storylines. And it's like, okay, basically I could just chalk this up to a retelling. Yeah. This I mean, at least with a last the, the last defender of Camelot, it felt a little bit more original compared to a day in Balmont, but even then, I just don't feel like the story was complete. I felt like we got dropped right in the middle of the story, and we were expected to know not only the beginning, but expect that these guys are supposed to have some kind of promising future mm-hmm. in whatever lifestyle is. You know what I mean? Like, here's Camelot. You're back. Like, they were just waiting on you. That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. No, and I agree. So, I'm going to bring this to you. That I know that... Um, I know that you, in terms of like comic books and things, we've talked about this like off the show and then other things that I do, there's things that you need to like, that you are wanting to engage more in in comics because you do, you do like comics a great deal as a medium. Um, There is a series that was released from 82 to 85 that was released by DC called Camelot 3000 that at some point, not on this show, but maybe somewhere else I'd like to get into. It is, um, what was it? It's a 12 issues. And it was, um, it, it follows the adventures of King Arthur and Merlin and the reincarnated Knights of the Round Table as they reemerge in an overpopulated future world of 3000 AD to fight off an alien invasion mastered by, uh, mastermind by Morgan Le Fay. It's a really mm-hmm. cool series. I'm not sure it's aged well, but I really dug it as a kid. Like, so. If that doesn't sound more interesting to you than this, I don't want to tell you, right? Like, you said this was uh, Marvel put this out. DC. It was from DC 82 to 85, right? 12 issues, or like right around the time this came out. That's interesting. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds like a really um, more in depth, long storytelling mm-hmm. that would be a little bit more understandable and mm-hmm. worth watching, or not watching, but worth reading. Yeah, because there's like more context there and more like more room to breathe this yeah. i just don't think that there was enough it here. was just, were, like, it, it, just, just it is what it is like I, I i'm not i'm not offended by it but it's like one it doesn't feel twilight zone to me and i'm like i mean who am i i well okay i think i'm kind of an authority at this point in terms of like the the shit that you and i've all watched like i hmm, i i you and I have watched more Twilight Zone than most people. Let's be honest, right? And perhaps yeah. some of our audience too. I think uh, you know, you and, all have and that's why they're coming to us, listening to us, right? Because we we are the authority from for what we get into, right? I think yeah. that's fair. Um, and two, it's like we're this, a little bit more sophisticated. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're we're uh, articulate as shit. Um, so um, uh, no, what I'm saying is like this is your season ender. Like this is where this is where you're hoping. Like that CBS is going to be like, you know what? Yeah, we're good. This we're, we're a day of Beaumont and this. You're like, yeah, 
let's have faith. Uh, spoiler: CBS doesn't have faith. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I. So here, here's the question, because I, I have to ask it at this point. So you saw, you and I had seen what the last episode was of the original series. <sighs> yeah. Compared to this output as the last episode of, of the original the- series, the bewitching oh. pull. And it doesn't Terry, there is, I, um, I gotta tell you, um, I don't think anything in this, in this season makes me as much as I despise the damn Beaumont, because it's like, you knew better, you knew better. Um, I have not has been as, uh, table flipping angry and done with anything other than the bewitching pool. Cause I'm right. so frustrated because it's like, we got five seasons, three, the, the first three of the original series are hit or miss. Like there's, there's a lot of gold in the mills. Season four has some good spots and some absolutely terrible spots. And then season five is, uh, more misses than hits. It really pissed me off that we ended on the bewitched pole. I really, really, really hate that episode. So much. And, yeah. And, and likewise, I, I agree with you. I, and it's, I, if that's like the, the, if, if we can kind of summarize at least the, because we're going to have our uh, season end. Yeah, next week. Well, yeah, we'll, t- we'll get there. We'll week. get there. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, there's just no spoilers here. I just wanted to make that, that kind of contrast here. It's like the last season of the original season or the original series and the last episode of this season. I think we do need to like really kind of judge those by each other. It's like, because people came back, they, they, I, I yes. assume probably a lot of people like that maybe grew up like well, maybe because after parents. after the 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 kind of success of the film which we talked about right CBS like, greenlit this and as much as I feel like um, Phil DeGuerre and I forget the other gentleman's name right now we'll get there next week when we get there had a passion for the series um, and they liked what they liked it just it sometimes was a little bit misguided there there's a disconnect. Right. And we'll yeah. talk about that next week. Right. So, and that, and, yeah. and that happens with producers. I mean, I think that's probably why there are so many producer credits now. You know, it's like they want to get Maybe. so many yeah. people's like, opinions. Like, if you see a film or a series now, there's like no more than less than like eight <laughs> credits for producers. It's like it's a little wild in the streets. Well, I like, agree, but I feel like some, with some of the producers, executive producer credits become become money. Like, oh, you put money into the kitty here for this. I get yeah. it, but it's like, yeah, Phil DeGuerre, We'll get to the other gentleman. I just again, his name's escaping me, but it's like, like, but also what that sets the table for is season two and three because like season two was still part of broadcast until it wasn't. And then season three is completely syndicated. We're going to get, we're going to get goddamn weird. And I'm okay with that because like no one's looking. So we're going to see what happens next. However, man, like this is a wet fart of an ending of a season. You know, that's what I'm going to say. Like, I'm glad to use one of my favorite quotes because, like, good Lord, like, I, I kind of have to agree with you. It's like yeah. you kind of have to check your underwear after this. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I it just, is. I just like I just, I mean, if there's one thing I could say about this and, and this is a like something that would be a benefit to this story, especially if it was animated, 
I think this would hit really, really well. Oh, if you would like, if you were like heavy metal on this shit, that would have been okay. Like, yeah, and, well, okay. even if we went like kind of like tangentially too close to the animation style of uh, the Last Unicorn, I, it's not really a favorite of mine, but it would work so well in that storytelling because it's like you could get bigger fantasy. because because also like animation, there's no budget, and I mean there is a budget, but not the same thing as shooting in reality. Right. Like there's mm. something there. So I agree with you on that. I think, but like we've talked about like, what was it? The most recent season of creep show where I was really annoyed where it's like, you had no budget. I don't like this, <laughs> but yeah, right. this feels like, ah, you know, yeah, you're right. This feels like, man, this could have been cool, man. At the planetarium with some like pink Floyd and being animated, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some King Crimson. King uh, Crimson, go. yes, like, yes. Give me the what was it? Whatever that song was at the beginning of Mandy, and just make this in the entire segment I'm fine with. Anyway, so yeah. All right. Um we're we've talked for an hour about this goddamn segment. Uh any other notes before we, we wrap it up for the season? And then we're gonna sorry, for this segment, and then we'll we're gonna do our wrap up next week. We'll talk about that in a second. Brother, I couldn't find anything else. I mean, even yeah, if good. I wanted to say anything else, I couldn't find any other. Yeah, it's, mm, we're just grinding metal at this point. So, all right, cool. All right. Um, yeah, let's just rate that twist. Oh, the story is called The Last Defender of Camelot. And then we find out that it's Lancelot being the last defender of Lancelot. Camelot. Um, yeah. Camelot. Yeah, yeah, uh, whatever. Anyway, uh, Lanza, Lanza, Coco Mello. I don't know. Coco Melon. I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, the last defender of Camelot records, you know, um, so, all right, rate, rate, uh, the, the twist is one from a mile away and five being mind blowing. Um, yeah, that Lancelot was still around and had to deal with shit. I, I honestly wasn't sure what was going on with this. I'm going to give it a two. That doesn't, that doesn't affect my feeling about the episode, which is lower than that, but I'll give it a two in terms of the twist. Uh, I, I'm going to have to give it a one. Okay. <laughs> because even in passing kind of knowledge of what all of like Camelot is and like the whole story of the round table yeah. and all that, it's a one. <laughs> yeah. Not much here. I, right. I, well, the fact that we got, again, um, it, we got Jamie Kennedy running off to Camelot. How do you feel about that? You got exed. I mean, yeah. I mean, hopefully he finds he finds his like forty fives that he needs. You know, because <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. he's got to stay punk, man. Yeah. yeah. He's like, hey, I gotta go do son of mask anyway. So, all right. Um, <laughs> son of the, all right. Son Christ. of mask. Son of the mask. God. I've not seen that, but we're good. I don't need to see it either. So. Good lord, Dan, stop. <laughs> <laughs> Even Jamie right now. I know you're listening, Jamie. J- yes, yes. Yeah. There's only four people listening. Jamie Kennedy, uh, like, myself, Terry. Can you not mention Terry. that movie ever again, yeah. please? Yeah. <laughs> right. Even even on top of Scream 3. Anyway, so yeah. All right. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it for our discussion about The Last Defender of Camelot. My God, this has been a journey. It's been a mess. I apologize to everybody in advance. Uh, you guys can find us on uh, Strange Highways on Facebook. I have been posting. Uh, I posted a GIF. Uh, Terry, I don't know if you saw the GIF I posted of the beginning from a day in Beaumont with that really shitty flaming cigar of a uh, UFO. 
uh, fly across the sky. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing. It's I think an, I saw that at the Brian Adams concert. That I want it's recently. an amazing gift. It's a, <laughs> I, it's one of my favorite things I've done recently. There's going to be a lot more, uh, shitty pictures from that shitty segment that's coming up soon. Go check that out. And I say that you're listening to this after I do it, but whatever, go check out the page. It's, it's uh, strange highways on Facebook. You guys can email us directly at strange highways, uh, podcast, gmail.com, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. Uh, Terry, I found out that I keep recommending stitcher. They're stopping as a podcast service as of August. So clearly that didn't work out for them. So really? Yeah. I don't know. Who would have thought? Well, that blows. Yeah. Oh. But wherever you find your podcast rate and review, would be greatly appreciated. The more the merrier. Uh, if you enjoyed this conversation, let, let other people know, right? Because we listen to all the podcasts all the time as a group. Everybody does, right? But if you enjoyed this conversation, uh, warts and all, um, yeah, let people know. And maybe like if they're like, oh shit, I should check out this Twilight Zone, like do it. Like the there's a shared enjoyment of the highs and lows. And I appreciate that. So yeah, and then wherever you wherever you find your podcast, wherever you like like listen to us, rate and review us would be greatly appreciated. And Terry, where can people find us otherwise? Instagram is still a thing for us, folks. Yes. Uh, you probably haven't seen very many posts from us recently. Um, Slacker. Uh, I well, I apologize. Uh, it is. Uh, it has been a, a rough road for me uh, lately. I am in control of the Instagram, and it is. Uh, it's been very taxing for me. We'll, we'll just put it <laughs> at, at that. You know, uh, not not the not the Instagram Instagram, but uh, life in general. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, it's not. It's not really. Uh, yeah. something that I should just put out there, but uh, I, I apologize that. You have nothing to apologize that. for. It's just, uh, I like that. I find terrible screen grabs and then you're like, yeah, it's on Instagram. I'm like, good luck with all that, Terry. I'm sorry. So yes. Uh, yeah. No, but like, but yeah, like, like Paul always says, like these things that we do, you can find them if you look for them, but I don't know if your friends would know about it. Like you could just like tell them, Hey, like, I don't know if you like, like good podcasting or, uh, or us. just people, yeah. that, you know, like <laughs> that's us, you know, but, or things that just like, maybe they're interested in, like, I don't know, like anthology storylines, uh, twilight zone, the original series, the, the subsequent, uh, reiterations and stuff. I maybe share that with them. If they're yeah. a little bit bored, I, I mean, like there are a lot of people that are still not comfortable about, going out into the world or not comfortable talking to people. Podcasts are still really important to people right now. So, I mean, I, I am one of those. I like, I, while I work, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I just want to get informed and I just want to be a little bit more knowledgeable about things, especially things that I'm interested in. I, I'm like case in point, I'm really big into punk music. Uh, and I listened to a podcast that is about punk music and it's, it's first iterations and that. So why not get somebody a little bit more involved about things that they might be tangentially interested in? So, so please share that with them uh, because it would do us a great service to just have somebody else say something about us than us just saying something to you about it. <laughs> the possible <laughs> yes. interest. Yes. So, all right. listener. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So in the meantime, again, I mentioned this beginning of the episode, but please check out, uh, uh, Etsy.com slash shop 
dot slash Ashley's. It's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S art studio, all one word. Uh, go check out her work. Um, she does some great stuff. Uh, like I said, my wife got me a wonderful print. Uh, as a watercolor of Rod Sterling, black and white twilight zone with Terry saw, go check that out as yeah. well. Yeah. That's awesome. Like it looks beautiful. Like, yeah, please check that out because it, like, it looks wonderful. And now Mr. Sterling. And, uh, we lost Terry there into the ether. Uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, the internet failed, but all right. Uh, we're, we're done with this episode of the last fender of Camelot. We're done with season one. It is amazing that we got through it. So next week, we're doing our season one wrap up. It's going to be our top five, our bottom five and our five swings and misses segments. And it's going to be Terry, myself and friend of the show, Richard coming on, which we had him on for grandma. We've had, had him on before previously. Uh, he has, uh, he has choked down all of the season as well. Uh, can't wait to get to that. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I hope, uh, you've enjoyed the season, uh, good, bad, otherwise. And we're going to do a wrap up next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then we're going to take a week off, um, because you know, we deserve a little bit of a victory lap, but also 4th of July and hope everybody has a good holiday. And then after that, once we take a week off after our season one wrap up, we're going to be getting some black mirror. The most recent season dropped. Uh, there is an episode that I'm going to challenge Terry with that I enjoyed a great deal. And I think he's going to enjoy it as well. Enjoy it as well called a uh, demon 76, which is the last episode of the most recent season of black mirror. So it's going to be next week is going to be season one of the 80s edition wrap up then a week off. And then demon 79 or 70, I said 79, maybe I said 76 anyway, 79. That's going to do it for us this week. Everybody have a good week. Have a good holiday. In the meantime, I don't know. Thank you for, uh, we we're, we're done. We're done with the first season. It is amazing. Uh, was it, um, 59 segments and we're, we're out later. this boy tom is my squire your squire how far the world has fallen this boy lacks even the rudiments of chivalry i have half a mind to turn him into a goose what are you talking